Right. It would have been nice. I mean, I could just be, I, I could have erased my homosexuality and just married a cute Utah mom and had five kids. But I think God is so much bigger than we realize. And yeah. my mission, as tumultuous and difficult as it is, this is my calling. Sorry, not sorry. And I don't believe that I'm going to go to heaven and end up in a or be rejected by God. Because I I'm doing the best I can and I don't want to hurt people like that video. I know it's so stupid, but that's, <laughs> that's a reflection of my heart. I know it's so cheesy, but I just, <laughs> I just want people to sparkle and be happy. Okay, so I'm excited uh, to meet our guest today is Ryan Woods, and I stumbled across his Lady Maga account on Facebook, and I listened to a couple of his interviews, and I just thought it was really interesting, so I decided to have him on to talk to him. Um, for some that may not know you, do you want to give people an introduction, um, your background? Yeah, well, honey, you know, you're an ex-Mormon, I'm an ex-Mormon. And we have a lot to talk about. And I don't, it's like Dumbo with his feather. I have no confidence without my lip gloss. So let me put on my lip gloss. Um, yeah, for people who don't know me, I am Lady Maga USA, a drag artist. I got my wig right here. I love dress up. I love theater. But I walked away from the mainstream so-called LGBTQ community and the drag community, because in my eyes, they no longer represent common sense uh, dialogue about consenting adult homosexuals like me. They are pushing drag queen story hour, sexual performances in libraries. They are pushing transgender everything. And they're using drag as a tool to confuse people about gender. And for me, the only reason drag is entertaining is because you are a man dressed up as a woman and there is no need to claim that you're a woman. So I do Lady Maga USA. I came out of the closet and left the whole LGBTQ narrative in 2019. I've lost everything. I lost my career. I lost my friends. And it's been an incredible journey, but I will never back down. And so Lady Maga USA, you can go to LadyMagaUSA.com to learn more. It's very confusing. And I get hate from the left and I get hate from the right, especially the hardcore evangelicals. And so it's just, you know, it's a, it's a journey that is filled with turmoil and insults and love and joy every day. But it's been crazy, but I'll never back down. All right. So, um, okay. So how the reason you're here, cause I mean, we're on an ex Mormon kind of podcast. So yep, tell me yep. your relationship with the LDS church. Uh, like what's that backstory and where are you today? Oh my goodness. <laughs> the first thing to say is a lot of ex Mormons, exmos, as we call them are very ungrateful for the solid, amazing childhood and 
upbringing that they received. So the first thing I'm going to say as an ex-Mormon is that I am so grateful for the education that I received as a Boy Scout, as an Eagle Scout. I made it all the way through high school. I never saw marijuana. I never saw alcohol. I was busy going on scavenger hunts and hanging out with my Mormon friends. And um, I served a, an honorable LDS mission to France. And it was, it was tough. It was rough. But thank God I learned French because that opened so many doors. And I had an incredible learning experience with the LDS church. So I prefer to say that I didn't leave the Mormon church. I graduated from an incredible program. And I would never be ungrateful enough to say that the Mormon church and my Mormon upbringing didn't make me who I am today, even as a drag artist. I mean, I'm, I'm a conservative Trump supporting, you know, uh, drag artist, and I have the courage to speak out, to go in public. And I'm an excellent public speaker. And one of the reasons is because as a missionary, I learned those skills how to interact with people, how to approach people like I did in France, who know uh, that, uh, you know, they're not, go I, I knew they were not going to agree with me, but I was able to have those dialogues. So the thing I want to say for anybody watching is I am not a bitter, leftist, hypocritical ex-Mormon. I am incredibly grateful for everything that the Mormon church gave me. That being said, I have fundamental disagreements, and that's why I went to mormonnomore.com, and I have my name removed once I came out of the closet. I was at Brigham Young University, and I decided that I, you know, I realized I was gay. I had been dealing with suicidal tendencies, and I came out of the closet, um, but I left BYU because I signed an and their honor code says, no gay. Gay is not okay. They also say premarital sex is not okay. They have strict standards. But for me, leaving Brigham Young University, the way I look at it is if there's a university for vegetarians and vegetarians across the world are paying to support a vegetarian message, um, eating a hamburger is not wrong, but signing your name and saying that I will not eat meat and then you eat meat is hypocritical. So that's why you and I went to the University of Utah. Huge downgrade, by the way. Hmm. I'm a journalist. I got my degree in broadcast journalism. Uh, BYU was top 10. University of Utah was not even on the map. So I did make sacrifices, but I wasn't willing to be a hypocrite. And I militantly and religiously support religious freedom because I cannot expect the freedom to be gay, to be a drag artist, to be who I am. I defend the right of my wonderful Mormon LDNs to be who they are. So it's it's been an incredible journey, but coming out as a conservative drag queen was way, <laughs> way worse than coming out. Like when I came out of the closet, my mom cried. She said, this is the worst thing. 
you know, lots of tears. But six months later, we were on the same page. They were loving. Uh, we got along. But when I came out as a conservative drag queen, I lost all of my LGBTQ friends. I was told I was a garbage person. I was told I was a Nazi. Um, I, I regularly receive threats of violence here in Utah. They canceled my events. And, I, and they, they use these words. You are excommunicated from any LGBTQ space in Utah. And these were people that I loved. I helped them through suicide. So coming out as a Trump supporting drag queen was quite literally 1000 times more difficult than coming out as a gay Mormon. And that was hard. It was hard. But, you know, the left just um, they claim that the Mormons are bigoted. They're homophobic. They're they're mean. They're awful. And I've experienced the exact opposite currently in my life as a drag artist, gay guy, mm -hmm. every single one of my best friends is a Mormon's wife. Hmm. Who would have thought? Yeah. Like, the, I mean, it's, it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's been such a, such a crazy unexpected journey. And I, yeah, I'm grateful for it. That's why I'm here talking to you. I want to talk about this and find common ground between ex-Mormons and people who are currently LDS. Right. I don't know how to word this. I, I know there's going to be listeners that are going to be like, you're totally downplaying how hard it must have been to come out as gay. And, and maybe, and maybe like, just. Okay. Uh, let you know let me saying? just, let me just share how hard it was. So I have been a flamer and a theatrical flamboyant effeminate child from the time I was born. Okay. My mom even told me when you were two years old, I knew there was something different about you. So I personally believe you're born gay. I don't believe that it's because you were molested or abused. I was never molested or abused. Um, I've just always been a theatrical, very different type of boy and man. And so as a child, I was mocked in school. Um, I was called Rihanna, which is my other, my original drag name, Rihanna Woods. Um, I had eggs smashed on my head um, walking home from school. I had to get a variance to another middle school because the bullies were so intense. So my mom found me a, a variance to a school, you know, 20 miles away. So I know what it's like to be bullied. I know what it's like to be humiliated. I know what it's like to be different. Um, it was very, very hard. And uh, my my father, he died six months before I came out of the closet. He was not understanding. So I understand what it's like to be um, abused and to be insulted. Um, my family had an acronym growing up, ALAG, and that was acting like a girl. And so I always, always lived with that shame of being different. That being said, as time went on, I, I did not focus on my sexual feelings. I did not focus on my homosexuality. I focused on theater and, you know, honor society and student council and scouting. And I was a busy bee. 
all through my adolescence. Meanwhile, other kids were having sex, smoking weed, trying alcohol. So as traumatizing as it was, I don't think that's as traumatizing as being a teen mother. You know, it's it, 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 it really does come down to a sense of gratitude for everything that I learned. That being said, before I went on my Mormon mission, um, I'm not knocking every religious leader. I'm not knocking every bishop because every bishop and stake president, it's a very, it's a very different experience for everyone. But I was, I was uh, 18 years old and uh, I was doing my best to be worthy to go on a mission. And I had masturbated once in three months, once. And my stake president told me you are unworthy permission. And I had to wait a very extended period of time, skip the sacrament. I was unworthy. And so that was traumatizing. I felt guilty. I felt dirty. And now looking back, an 18 year old who masturbates once in three months is a warrior and a hero, honey, <laughs> you know? And so um, I had a hard time feeling worthy to go on the mission. I did want to prove to my family that I was, uh, you know, good and and devout. And so I prepared for the mission. And I mean, I'm telling the truth. Two years as a Mormon missionary. And I'm sorry if this topic is inappropriate, but I masturbated one time, once in two years. That shows the dedication that I had to the faith. And I really felt like my man would take away my homosexual feelings. I was a zone leader. I was like, I was like a superstar missionary. You could tell I was a good missionary. <laughs> and so those two years, um, I, I wanted my homosexuality to go away, but at the same time, I was being taught to discipline myself. I was speaking to strangers all day, every day. I was learning to be a leader of other missionaries. I, I'm fluent in French. So I choose to focus on the good of that. But when I came home, I was like, holy crap, um, Ricky Martin is still hot. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Um, I, I went to Brigham Young University and I, you know, was the perfect returned missionary, handsome, blonde, Mormon guy, you know how it is. I fit yeah. the mold, but um, I ended up with a roommate who, I don't know if you know the story of Stuart Masterson. Yeah, I, I heard you talk about it um, yeah. and I probably should be familiar well, I think, long that story short, he was in Time Magazine. This poor guy blew his brains out on the steps of a Mormon church in Utah. And I ended up being roommates with his cousin. And his cousin was gay. I didn't know that. So one day at my little, you know, BYU approved housing, this guy said, and you're gay and you need to come out of the closet. And I said, no way, I'm not gay. And, uh, he said, yes, you are. You can say it. So I said it. And then he took me to the parents of Stuart Masterson, devout LDS people. And these parents had been through the trauma of losing their son to suicide. And unfortunately, bad Mormons were telling them 
that your son was a homosexual, he rejected his temple covenants, and he committed suicide, outer darkness. So they were very traumatized, and they told me that they went to Jeffrey R. Holland, one of the most famous Mormon leaders, prophet, whatever you want to call him, and they said they sat across from him, and they told him their story, and he cried. He's a crier, and he slammed his fist on the desk, and he said, your son is not in outer darkness. We are praying for understanding of this issue. We don't have all the answers. And so I know that in the Mormon church, they're going to defend traditional marriage. They're going to defend the proclamation of the family. But individually, as they work through this issue, they are not the bigots and the bigotry and hatred and cruelty and bullying and being fired from my job did not come from the Mormons. It came from the so-called LGBTQIA plus community, which mm -hmm. I call the alphabet mafia. And they have hurt me more than the Mormon church ever hurt me. That's interesting. Um, okay, let's go back to like BYU. I, I do have, I feel bad for people that maybe go through a faith crisis while going to BYU, right? Yeah. And so, and, and like what happens when you're, you have a plan, you're going to graduate from BYU with a certain degree. And it's just like you said, the, the program wasn't the same. It wasn't. Oh, they had the best. Good. They were top like, 10. Like I would have been an intern on, on, on news stations, CNN, David Letterman, whatever. I would have been a shoe in, in the industry because BYU is an incredible school. So there's some people that don't want to let that go. And so they'll stay in the closet or they will just pretend while they're going to BYU. I, I, I see, I'm not familiar. I went to Utah state, so I'm not familiar with BYU. And I, I guess I, there's part of me that agrees with you. Okay. You signed this thing. You said, this is what you are, but at the same time, I, I don't know if, um, I guess, I guess I have compassion for those that make it. I feel like they have two hard decisions in front of them. They either can stay at BYU and not be completely honest, or they can be honest and they have to leave. Like it, it sucks that they have to make that, that choice, I guess. Um, so I don't know, I guess I just, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's totally, it's a totally tough situation, but, um, I view it on the same level. Like if you are gay and you're not actively, uh, sexual and you're mm -hmm. not engaged in sexual activities, I think that's one thing. Uh, women and men, straight men, um, if they signed and said, I will remain celibate until I'm married, but they're sleeping around, or they say, I won't smoke weed, I won't drink, and they are, I don't feel that those are necessarily terrible things to do, but I do feel like you know where you are, you know what you signed, and these are not children. These are not childish victims. These are people 18 and up many of them in their 20s after they return from a more missionary. And there comes a time when you have to say, I respect religious freedom. This place is not for me. And they can step away with dignity instead of attacking the religious institution. Like we've seen the why on the mountain in Provo mm -hmm. being vandalized, lit up in rainbow. Uh, the LGBTQ community is constantly attacking BYU. And I just feel like their hypocrisy is astounding because we all know 
that if you want to live your life and be gay, be lesbian, be trans, you cannot attack the fundamental religious freedoms of your fellow Americans without being a hypocrite. And it just, I, th I think it's really sad. I think they should just step away. We are, this is what we're gonna do without trying to change Brigham Young University or without trying to change the Mormon church. Listen, oh. if BYU was the only school you could go to, I wouldn't be saying this. If the Mormon church was the only religion that you could attend, then, then I wouldn't be saying this. But we have options in America. And I left and I, I got baptized in the Episcopal church. I went to the University of Utah and I moved on without having to attack an institution that I didn't, didn't agree with. And really? I just feel like religious freedom is imperative. I'm a free speech absolutist. And um, I just don't feel that changing BYU is the goal. I feel like moving on with your life, respecting that journey, and then um, standing up for the freedom of all people is critical. Because once we silence BYU, once we silence the Mormons, once we silence conservatives, there's no hope for the LGBTQ. And their hypocrisy always gets to me because, um, you know, in, in Utah, we have LGBTQ rallies at the Temple Square or at BYU and they paint the Y and they're constantly attacking the Mormons, but they would never dare ever say one word about Islam. Hmm. And in every predominantly Islamic country across the globe, I would be killed right now for openly stating that I am a homosexual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's definitely a common conservative point, right? Um, well, why don't they speak I, I, out? I think well, I, I think they're they're the idea is that Islam's uh, Islam people that practice Islam are oppressed, and so they have to hold hands and um, support those that are also oppressed because of all the marginalized. They don't have a voice, and so they all have to have a voice together to have a big enough voice to get any attention. That's their argument. I don't agree. Personally. That's their argument, but you're not going to find any mainstream Islamic leader like Ilhan Omar publicly speaking out against female genital mutilation, cutting out the clitoris of five-year-old girls in Minnesota and Michigan, which is happening as we speak. They will not speak out against that, but they will call the Mormon church homophobic and responsible for suicides. I just, I, I have to call out hypocrisy when I see it. And well, I think globally, we want to stand up for gay people like me. We have to call out the number one influences that not just hurt our feelings, not just kick us out of BYU, but kill us, castrate us, torture us. There's no conversation mm -hmm. about that. The Mormons are an easy target because they don't fight back, which I critique them mm -hmm. for, by the way. I'm like, you guys, could you please stand up for yourselves? Why are you so, why do you always cave to the, to the left? Because they're nice. And the Mormons, Mormons are just nice. <laughs> they're nice. They're nice people. And um, I, I will say my number one issue with the Mormon church today is not their stance on homosexuality. It is their cowardice on every political issue including the schmacksonations in their friend magazine. They had a picture of a little child getting a jab, wearing a mask, 
saying, I can be brave. So number one critique of the Mormon church now is not that they're too far right or they're too anti-gay. It's that they are total collectivist leftists and everybody mm-hmm. just folds their hands and pretends that everything's okay while they send their three-year-old to school in a mask unnecessarily. So that's like, I flipped. I am not a fan of the modern Mormon church, but it's not because I'm gay and I left BYU. It's because <laughs> they are, they're, they're, they're terrifyingly caving to the leftist uh, talking points. Well, so have you just replaced your God with your politics then? Like, is if that's the thing that's bothering you, do you know what I mean? Like, how oh, do totally. we... like how do we totally that i have done that but i get what you're saying um yeah who is my god now yeah where do i where do i stand what are my beliefs and i admit that i don't have all the answers when it comes to life after death or spirituality i hold on to christianity because it's familiar And I choose Jesus Christ as the representative of the loving God in the sky. But Mm -hmm. the hardest thing for all of us who walk away from Mormonism is to realize, holy crap, I don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. I had the answers. Everything made sense. Uh, You know, gospel of Jesus Christ, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, restored gospel. It was so... It was so nice to have all the answers. And for those of us who step away, we have to openly and frankly admit we don't have all the answers. Right. And to me, God is a total mystery. I got baptized in the Episcopal Church, but I will them because they are <laughs> they're so far left that they're just political pawns at this point. But um, yeah, so what have I replaced it with? Politics, maybe. I wouldn't mm-hmm. call this a, a religious, dogmatic, spiritual journey. To me, being a conservative is based on hard, disputable facts. Like, guns save lives. Uh, uh, the only thing that can stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Most prefer unarmed victims. Children mm-hmm. cannot give consent for castration, mastectomies, and hormone injections. Um, men are not women. So to me, it's 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 more academic. It's more... Um, what about circumcision? I, you know what, honey? I'm glad you brought that up. I am 100% opposed to circumcision. Yeah, okay. I was just oh, curious. Because well, I okay. did not give consent. Yeah. It's at Lake Tahoe as a little boy. And I was wearing a little swimsuit with mesh, like underwear. And at the end of the day, I was chafed to the point of sobbing because my sensitive chafed by this swimsuit. And looking back, if I had my God-given natural protection, yeah, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't have experienced that. So I'm, I really do believe that circumcision without consent is horrifying. I really, I really wish that I had my natural biological body, but I was mutilated as 
a, a baby in the hospital without my consent. We're on this bodily autonomy matters. <laughs> right. So, okay. So back to the hypocrisy, like this is my feeling, like you pointed out some hypocrisies of some progressives, right? And it's not, to me, I feel like if you want to look for hypocrisy, you're going to find it. It doesn't matter where you're looking. And I, because if you go listen to Pod Save America, they'll be able to pull, uh, like pull out a whole bunch of hypocrisies on the right too, right? Um, like oh, one of, absolutely. One of, and by the way, I'm reluctantly Republican. <laughs> I do not. I do not believe the conservatives are doing things right. I do not believe the conservatives are are at all in many circumstances, any less hypocritical than the left. I just got to make that right. clear. I'm well, Republican reluctantly. And they are, yeah. they are like, I get attacked by evangelicals. Um, have you ever heard of the rapper Bryson Gray? Mm -mm. He's a star in the conservative movement. He's black. He's pro-Trump. He does rap music. And I've been in debates with him where he literally told me the constitution is not for you. America is okay. not for you because I'm gay and a drag wow. artist. Interesting. And I just, I wanna ask him, I asked him, so Bryson, black evangelical leader, uh, would you make it illegal according to the law for me to be gay and a drag artist? And he said, absolutely. So the hypocrisy does exist on all sides. I do feel that as a whole, conservative less hypocritical than the left, but honey, Politics are disgusting. All yeah. of our leaders, you know, Mitch McConnell, um, uh, Spencer Cox, Mitt Romney, like they are the ultimate traitorous uh, hypocrites. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to call it out on all sides. I am sure. not a blind Trump worshiper. He, to me, Trump is not a celebrity. He's not a god. Not um, a savior. flawless. <laughs> not right. a savior. He is a political leader, and my job is to critique every single American citizen, not to go along with any large movement. Collectivism is my ultimate fear. I don't want to okay. join groupthink. And okay, um, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, that that's that's a good segue into like I was wondering because I feel like the damage in progressive politics is when people use um, their trauma or victim, real victim stories. Like they are actually victims. I'm not trying to like downplay that, but I feel like uh, as far as coming out of my living a very dogmatic uh, practicing Orthodox faith and then moving away from that, the thing that's given me the most, um, uh, courage or encouragement maybe is that I have control over my life now. And so I feel like by complaining about the church too much, it will hinder my progress forward, wherever that is. And like, it'll, if that makes sense, like you, you've mentioned similar sentiment, right? Um, and so I see that happening on the right too, though. Like you, you'll hear, you know, the straight white male is, the most oppressed group or whatever, right? And then they're they're happy. Which to I would that, which I would which I would wholeheartedly in That's, America, a, a straight white Christian male not promoted, his views are downplayed. 
white men are blamed for all of America's problems. And on the left, they can say whatever they want about the straight white Christian male unabashedly. Mm -hmm. But if one straight white Christian male says it's okay to be white, you're kicked off of TikTok. Well, so I, I I would have to I would have to agree that the number one target globally is the traditional heterosexual white Christian man. I I, I so could exemplify I have, that. I have, yeah, yeah. I I'm not like just like um, I feel like gay people have a, a struggle in life, right? Like there there's going to be a harder if you grow up as a gay Mormon, you're going to have a rough, r- rougher road than oh, if you yeah. grew up as Especially, a gay kid yeah, in an atheist Mormons. household, right? Like oh, it's just going to yes, be different yes. and it's you're going to have be, different, it's be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, harder things to go through. I'm not denying the feeling that straight white Christian males are having and that it's, there's not some truth to it. What I'm saying is I just as much as I would encourage a gay person to not be a victim and to still continue to be the best person they can be. I would say that about the straight white Christian male too. Like I, you can rise above your hardships. Like I, I do think that's a thing that's going on, but I, I guess I worry sometimes that like the MAGA movement is full of bitterness and resentment too. And I, I think bitterness and resentment is a bad tool to motivate you because it's destructive essentially. I, I, I agree with you there. Bitterness, resentment, anger, you're never going to hate somebody into change. You're never going to get across your message right. and come across as a bitter victim. But um, I'll just use my personal example. I came out as a conservative drag queen. I came out as a Trump supporter. I am a white man. And mm-hmm. in my job in the airline industry, people on the left, specifically LGBTQ employees, reported me over and over, calling me a Nazi, calling me a racist, calling me an extremist. And I lost my eight-year career as, a, as an airline employee because of that persecution. So for me, the persecution is not whining. It's mm. not claiming anything. I was legitimately persecuted and my career was destroyed and I've been attacked. And if you if you look at mainstream conservative media, they will talk about straight white Christian men, anti-white rhetoric, anti-family, everything. But if you look at the left, every single conversation about being black, every single conversation about being a woman, every single conversation about being LGBTQ is about oppression from the patriarchy and from the white man. So if we had to if we had to spend 2 days looking up every story investigating the the victim mentality on one side or the other, the left would win by far. Everything mm-hmm. I'm told as a gay guy, everything David Archuleta is told, everything um Ilhan is that we are victims of the patriarchy and oppression. So I I, w- I would call you out. I feel like on the right when we talk about persecution, I'm talking about losing my national Britney impersonator. And girl, I was good at it. <laughs> Entire career in the airline industry. Right now I'm doing odd jobs, cleaning houses to make ends meet. So victim narrative aside, if you look at the concrete facts, for example, 
in, I was in Colorado Springs. I did an event with the log cabin Republicans. And that night is when the shooting took place. And I, it was so awful. People from my event went to the club. They were not there. Uh, fortunately, shooting happened. But that story has disappeared from the media. Go find me a mainstream news outlet still talking about the shooting at the gay club in Colorado Springs. They came out calling it a hate crime. They came out blaming Lady Maga. I was told I am personally responsible for that shooting. And wow. once it was found that the shooter was a non-binary person on the left, the story disappeared. If that wow. shooting had been committed by a bring that, we would be we would be bombarded with stories about that for the next two years, all day, every day. But because it was a non-binary shooter, just like the Wakusha Christmas Parade, a black man, the people in the parade, it's one of the greatest terrorist attacks in American history. The story disappeared because the criminal was not the right color. There's the young man at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. There was an Indian man in his face. He smirked international news to this day. Mm -hmm. But if you're non-binary and you shoot up a club, or if you're black in Wakusha and you mow down people in a parade, the story disappears. So to me, that exemplifies a readiness to stereotype and attack the white Christian male and the white Christian drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I hear what you're saying and I'm not denying that 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 happens, but I would say uh, that's kind of the fault of the echo chamber, right? So I would say there's equally stories that are not reported in conservative media that are ignored, right? Like if it goes, if, does that make sense? Like there are, um, I don't have any examples. I don't follow like the specific stories very much, mostly because I, I see the pattern on both sides though. Um, maybe, maybe you would disagree with that, but. No, no, no. As a journalist, I, I know that whether it's Fox News or Breitbart right. or it's MSNBC or NPR, um, in order to sell advertising, you have to present a divisive story. It has to be salacious. It has to be right. controversial. And the reason is because um, this is why I walked away from journalism. I was an intern at NPR, PBS. I, I worked in journalism and I stepped away because I realized our goal is not to present the facts. Our goal is not to present the news. It's to sell advertising. Right. And without a seriously polarizing black versus white, gay, straight, atheist versus Christian story, you're not going to attract advertisers. So right. it really is. It's listed on all sides. I will mm -hmm. give you that. But I will stand by the fact that conservative media outlets, such as the New York Post, when they came out with the story about Hunter Biden's laptop, which has been proven to be true yeah. now, they were kicked off of Twitter. So I, I will say both sides do it, but I will say one side is doing it with global backing from George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg 
and Barack Hussein Obama. But on the right, the stories don't even reach people because they're shut and or they're kicked off if they say anything bad about uh, Hunter Biden for crying out loud. <laughs> right. Like, I, I definitely I I feel like our media is lopsided, right? The where more of the money is. And and I if I were to. My understanding is how Trump gained his popularity is because there are plenty of middle America people that aren't living in the coasts that aren't educated in the Ivy League schools and stuff that don't feel heard or listened to. And and that's how Trump was born. Right. And it wasn't, I don't want, and then instead of understanding that the elites have decided instead to believe that they're all racist because they are, you know, those hillbilly whatever's like out in the rural Ra- area, racist, and, homophobic, yeah. toothless, and I, that's uh, also transphobic like, bigots. No, I know, I know Trump supporters, honey. I, I put it to the ultimate test. In 2019, I went to a Trump rally in New Mexico, and I, I'm not going to lie. I was so, what the hell am I doing? I created Lady MAGA. I'm going to put it to the test. And my first video on YouTube, um, I went to the rally, and it was nothing but hugs and smiles. And these are good-hearted people. And it just hurts my heart that they're painted as bigoted and homophobic. Every single time I show up as Lady Maga, coming up to me saying, I follow you. I have a gay son. We're estranged because he thinks I'm homophobic. He thinks I'm a bigot. And um, they're not. But, and and I went to the Trump room. Nobody attacked me. I did get some dirty looks when I went into the men's room. <laughs> I always, whenever I'm as Lady Mac, I walk into the men's room and I say, "Hey, everybody! I'm a biological man. I'm not going to the women's restroom." And usually, but I was—I've never been physically attacked by people on the right. And in San Francisco, when I was helping Scott Pressler, a conservative activist, do a cleanup. I was assaulted by Antifa. They ripped off my hat. They punched me in the stomach. They knocked the wind. And recently here in Utah, I went to a pro-life event at the Utah State Capitol, and I was assaulted and pushed over by the pro-abortion activists as soon as I turned my back. So I I have to just be honest. Hmm. People on the right, even people who might give me a little bit of a dirty look at CPAC or Politicon or a rally, they don't hurt me. I have been assaulted, punched, and accosted by the left multiple times. And so who is truly tolerant? And to me, it's the MAGA community, um, which I like to call the patriot community, because yes, Trump started the movement. Yes, Trump woke us up. But to me, MAGA, Lady MAGA, does not mean Lady Trump. No. He is a he is a, I do not know him personally. He is a political figure and my job is to critique him, but make America great again. And the community that I have found that has replaced um, other communities, even family relationships has been the most in-depth, loving, powerful community I've ever known. And most of them are very religious. Wait, Marty, I have to say, I do interviews every single day 
And this has been my favorite interview of the last year because it's not an echo chamber. I'm not just giving you sound bites that I know you want to hear. I'm not just rattling off statistics and all that. We're, we're actually engaged in a fascinating conversation. So I hope that all the listeners who watch this or see this understand that I'm not here to attack. I really, I really believe we're losing America because there is no dialogue on both sides and both right. sides live in an echo chamber and that's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. For media on the right and the left. Yeah, that's that's my that's my bigger fear. My bigger fear isn't that uh, one side or the other will gain control. It's that um, that we are going to just keep dividing into these like alternate realities. <laughs> so because we can't talk to each other, or understand each other. So yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, so bringing it back to like the Mormon world or ex-Mormon world, are you familiar yeah. with ex-Mormon content at all? Have you followed, like, or have you ever followed Oh, of course. It? Oh, honey, I've, I'm aware of all the Joseph Smith dirt. Yeah, yeah. All the Brigham Young dirt. Uh -huh. All the Coca-Cola Mormon church dirt. Trust me. Um, I, I have uh, uh, close friends, actually. They're very conservative, but they're also very militantly anti-Mormon. And so I'm, I'm very familiar with the Exmo community. I don't invalidate. I don't invalidate the the trauma because I suffered it as well. But I kind of feel like one of my idols is actually Elizabeth Smart, and the reason is because she endured the worst things that a human being could ever experience. And her whole message is, I won't give those people another moment of my thoughts or my energy. And she's. Um, she she's moving on. So I feel like within my own family, um, I was the first one to walk away from the Mormon church and I have over 60 nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews, seven siblings. And we're down to about 20% of our entire family who is still Mormon, who is wow. still LDS and what makes me upset is the people who left the church cannot leave the ones who are still in the church alone. Um, I know you spoke with uh, uh, Jacob, the thoughtful saint. And I. Well, he has. Heard, Jacob Hansen. Jacob Hansen. I've, I've watched his content, and I know that personally within his family, He's basically the only one who is still a devout Mormon. And instead of allowing him that freedom to express his faith and express his views, he's constantly attacked, insulted. And um, in my own family, I'm thinking of my sister, my brother, um, my niece, my, my cousins. They are constantly trying to label LDS people as a cult and dangerous. And the way I view, like I, I, I hung out with a devout niece of mine. She's 30, 30 something. And um, I know she's an, a devout temple goer. I know she is fully LDS. And to me, her spiritual journey is just not my business. 
can unite as Ryan and I won't say her name, but we can focus on a birthday party for her kid or Christmas time or having a nice meal. And I just feel like a lot of ex-Mormons, instead of just moving on and giving love and tolerance to people of the Mormon faith, they have to attack it. And I just don't feel a need to attack it, even though I don't agree with it. I don't. Right. And I, I guess I'm curious still, like, did you ever go through that bitter phase? Like, and then yeah. if yes, like, and, and then, and then how long do you feel like that took to like, maybe change your perspective a little bit? Like, I, I have an, an analogy that someone shared with me, and I felt like it was pretty powerful. He was saying, he's talking about if there is dog shit on the, on the lawn, a, um, a pessimist, uh, how did he word it? You can have um, too far on optimism and too far on a, on a pessimist scale, right? Like, so, so uh, toxic pessimism would go pick up the dog shit and put it in their pocket and carry it around with them and pull it out and say, look, smell this, smell how disgusting this is. And they put it back in their pocket and carry it around with them forever. And just, how awful this is and then an an optimist would go oh look how cute the dog crap is oh wow isn't that so cute and then they would they just like they would try to make it seem like it's not that big of a deal and then he's like what we should be is try to be pragmatic about it pragmatic about it and go clean up the dog shit and then just be done with it right so i i, 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 I love guess, that analogy so i guess uh, i i feel like as far as looking at the church goes I, I don't want to err so far on the optimist side and say there's nothing wrong there because I did feel lied to and they did lie to me. But at the same time, I can remove myself from that and I can allow my family members to go through the same journey I went with through, which was voluntarily uh, voluntarily exposing themselves to the information. Like I don't think that them just knowing the information is going to change their views, but I do feel like the church has a responsibility if they want to be honorable to let people know about the real history, which they are starting to do because of the internet. But I mean, it's a human organi organization, right? So. Right. Guess, and, and, I and guess. for me, the Mormon history, like, honey, I've looked into, you know, Joseph right. Brigham, blacks in the priesthood, everything. Um, but their history is no more crazy than the Catholics. Or right. the the Baptists with the KKK and this, the you know Buddhist crazy beliefs that if someone is murdered, it's it's karma. Um, so I just kind of say the the number one thing I look at. I don't know. You might know in the Book of Mormon or the Bible, the scripture that says, "By their fruits ye shall know them." That's the Bible, I think. Is it the Bible? Mm -hmm. That's my favorite, favorite religious principle by their fruits. You shall know them. So with my Mormon friends who I'm with all the time, I'm like, what are the fruits of your faith? You love me. You bring me a casserole when I'm sick. I'm welcome in your home for Thanksgiving because I've lost my mom and you've adopted me as, as a mom and you call me your son and you come to my events and help me with my wig in the back and do photo shoots. So by their fruits, you shall know them. And within my own family, when I lost my job in the airline industry, 
the Exmos, they didn't even reach out to me. Hmm. It was the hardcore Mormons who contacted me and one of them paid my rent for one year while I tried to get back on my feet. So um, are your beliefs crazy? Yes. Are Buddhist beliefs crazy? Yes. Are beliefs about the Virgin Mary statue crying at Lord in France crazy? Yes. Are, are your, your vegan, vegetarian, communist, social, everybody's views can be sort of uh, watered down to, to insanity, but by their fruits, you shall know them. So on the one hand, living here in Utah, in a, I, have, I have a community of mothers and friends who will be there for me no matter what their religion. And I have the LGBTQ community telling me you're a garbage person, sending me threats and pushing castrations and mastectomies and drugs on little children and not speaking out against drag queen story hours in libraries and schools where literally drag queens are wearing a thong and they're in nightclubs. And on the wall, it says, it's not going to lick its children are walking up to them as they bounce their fake breasts in their face, getting, getting uh, tips in their thong. So their fruits shall know them. What are the modern fruits of the LGBTQ Democrat community? It's suicide among transgender youth. They blame me. They blame conservatives. But these children are killing themselves because they're being injected with drugs that don't belong in their body. These children are killing themselves because they're 16 years old with gigantic scars where they remove their breasts and they realize it's back. And stories of detransitioning or regret are kicked off of social media immediately. So also the LGBTQ community embraces fetish behavior. Pride parades embrace SNM and BDSM in public in front of children and promiscuity and grinder and promiscuity leads to AIDS. There's a reason that homosexual men are still plagued with HIV infection. And it's because they've been lied to that sex is recreational, that sex is just for fun, that you hook up when you go on a date and those lies lead to disease, they lead to injury. And I'm speaking of personal experience with people very close to me who came out of the closet, they left the Mormon church, and now they're facing dire consequences physically and medically because of the narrative that it's all just fun and games. So by their fruits, you shall know them. What are the fruits of a church on Sunday who doesn't watch R-rated movies, who doesn't drink alcohol in the home? And what are the fruits of a liberated LGBTQ uh, leftist home allowing their child to take drugs that will render them infertile and increase their cancer risks? So to me, again, it's not, it's, it's, just, it's just facts. And we could argue their religious beliefs all day long, but if we're going to talk about Joseph Smith, we have to talk about the pedophile priests in the Catholic Church just as much as we talk about Joseph Smith in the 1800s or polygamy 
I just feel like there's a great hypocrisy because the Mormons are such an easy target and they don't fight back. And I wish they would. I really wish they, I really wish they would fight back, but they're, they're weak. They're reverent and what uh, so priesthood holding reverent people who don't want to vote for Trump because he hurts feelings. And we just have to listen to the spirit and we can't take a stand against masking four-year-olds in schools. And we can't get mad that they vandalized the why at BYU. I'm just disgusted with mainstream Mormon men. I feel like they're emasculated beta males and I'm embarrassed for them. <laughs> well, it's interesting. <laughs> you probably it's wouldn't interesting. have expected that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's interesting like um i as far as the fruits i i yes i understand i understand that but i guess what i've found is that are good fruits on both sides of most things not not all things like i i don't think i i'm skeptical that um i'm skeptical that my kids need to uh go to drag queen story hour. I, um, I'm not sure I understand that. I think the intent is, Hey, if we show these kids this stuff, then they, you know, if they end up being gay, then they don't have to feel They don't have to feel like something's wrong with them. Right. Um, or I, I don't know. I, I think that's the intent. I don't know, uh, but I, I don't, I, I think that's but the intent. The names are really, the majority the are really... of people on the left. Right. But the road to hell was paved in good intentions. You have to look at, just like on the right, you have to look at the few puppet masters. The radicals always push the narratives. And that's yeah. what gets so scary. Because I don't think most drag queens are just men like me who love to dress up and be silly and have a good time. Colors and fashion. But... Drag Queen Story Hour, instead of performing Dolly Parton or Aretha Franklin or something, you know, big dress, feather boa, that's not what's happening. And if you look at the videos of, of the actual shows that are being shown to children, including here in Utah, um, it's it's spread eagle in a thong. It's, it's, it's twerking. It's very suggestive sexual outfit. And so that's why I wish we could just come to a common ground because one thing I get from the right all the time is that drag is inherently evil and sexual. And I'm like, honey, no. Drag is Mrs. Doubtfire. Drag is some like it hot. I am an artist. I am a theatrical person. And to me, drag is not sexual. I think it's only sexual for very unattractive men who need sexual gratification from being told they're sexy in drag. None of my drag is sexy. Like... <laughs> You know, well, if I'm in public, I'm covered neck to toe, honey, neck to toe. I'm yeah. a lady. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your thoughts on, like, cheerleaders of the halftime show? Like, that's a ton of twerking and sexualized dancing, too. And our society has generally kind of said, yeah, that's okay. So I, I, would, I, I would agree with you, honey. Like Hooters, um, you know, the inauguration of your 10-year-old, you take him to Hooters. I think that... Um, any show involving minors, including cheerleaders, they can wear those skirts, but they should have shorts underneath, not bloomers that are very revealing when they do their, hmm. you know, tumbling or whatever. Um, I love that uh, gymnasts are standing up and saying, I don't have to wear this 
very skimpy outfit. So I, I'll call it out on all sides. And let me tell you, what's that horrible show with the little girls uh, with the fake teeth and uh, the makeup? The Toddler, Toddlers in TR. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Little Nas X, the rap star, he started out going into elementary schools with his cute little song and his cowboy hat. And now his videos are literally twerking in front of children. This is not just an LGBTQ issue. It's, it's culture wide. And I feel like I support anybody who pushes um, the protection of little kids like I was. And I just don't think that first graders should be introduced to the rainbow flag or the idea of being gay or LGBTQ. I think after adolescence, let's say 12, 13, we can have that conversation. But the rainbow, the discussion of being LGBTQ is inherently sexual. I didn't need to hear that conversation when I was in first grade. I figured it out when I was 17. So I just feel like left and um, the Democrats are just pushing a sexualized agenda on children and I have to explain why this is happening. It's a very obvious reason. Any movement at the end of the day is based on two things, money and power. And so the Democrats and the LGBT movement realized nobody cares if your uncle is gay. Nobody cares if your neighbors are lesbians. I would say 90% of Americans would not care that their hairstylist is gay or their neighbors are lesbians. So the human rights campaign, GLAAD, pride centers across America and the Democrat party realized we need a new victim narrative. And the narrative is there than children. So they're presenting themselves as the saviors of these children in order to gain political power and social power. At the same time, the transitioning procedures across America, it has become a billion dollar industry. And it's just so terrifying. I have people who want to be trans. Go for it. Caitlyn Jenner, God bless you. You look gorgeous, honey. <laughs> but little kids, I just don't think they can give consent to life surgeries or hormone injections have long-term consequences. And if you watch a commercial for Lunesta or Tylenol, um, at the end of the commercial, they have to like really rapid fire the, the side of effects. That's not the case with trans drugs and Planned Parenthood has put out a video making hormone injections and all these procedures seem completely benign and with consequence when the opposite is true. So just come to a place of common sense. Let a little boy, if a little boy wants to dress up like Cinderella, damn it, let him dress up. You know, <laughs> I was punished. I was punished for playing with Barbies, which is why I have my Lady Maga Barbie back there. Oops. And I've, you know, I've always loved that stuff, but um, uh, it should be in the privacy of the home. Don't put them on social media and don't tell them they're in the wrong body. It's okay if a little boy loves Barbies or a little girl wants to play football. It doesn't mean they're in the wrong body. To me, that's just incredibly abusive. So that's, that's really, that's one of the questions I had for you. Like, how, how do you think um, maybe as societally we could help alleviate some of the torment you went through as a kid while still having like a healthy society right so i guess you fear that 
the progressive, they're doing it in an unhealthy way. I think their intent is there, but it's in an unhealthy way is maybe how you would put it. How, how would you propose that we actually do that kind of awareness or something without making it this, you know what I mean? Like, cause obviously, I don't know, like the, there's a lot of torment there and a lot of pain oh, there. Absolutely. Yeah. Make people go through if you don't have to. Gosh, you know, I think of my mom right before she died. Um, one of our last was she was babysitting her little great grandkids. And um, my great nephew came down the stairs and he was holding the big Rapunzel doll that I bought for her toy room because we need Barbies in there. And he was wearing those little clicky slip on dress up heels. And he came to the bottom of the stairs and he looked at my mom and it was just her and him at the house. And he said, grandma, is this just for girls? And she said, honey, at grandma's house, you play with whatever you want. Do you like those shoes? Do you like the noise it makes on the kitchen floor? You just play with whatever you want. And so I feel like that's the balance, but I feel like anything involving your children or dress up or a boy playing with Barbies, it should be in the home and it should be a private experience. I feel like a lot of little children who are different, like all the celebrities who put their little boy wearing a dress on social media and they take them to, you know, movie premieres dressed up. I feel like I personally believe that we should not be posting photos of children publicly on social media at all. I really believe that children cannot give consent to being exploited as a non-binary trans girly boy. Thank God when I was little, you know, um, there was no social media, but I just feel like parents who put all that out for the world to look tolerant or woke are violating their child's consent. I have consent. I have two rules for free. Number one is your beliefs and your way of life cannot infringe on my freedoms and vice versa. And rule number two is informed consent. And I don't think little children can give consent to be publicly on social media. So when it comes to a little boy like me, um, was shamed for playing with Barbies? Was I punished? Um, I came home from first grade and every single one of my FAG toys was burning in the fireplace. My father let my brother burn all of those FAG toys. And as a first grader, I was watching my friends burn in that fireplace, you know, wow. Care Bear, Smurf, Barbie. And from then on, I was only allowed to play with our men and guns. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of a good person to talk to because I do understand this. I understand the pain of being bullied, but I don't think the solution is to tell, I don't think the solution is to boys like they did me. And I don't think the solution is to tell that little boy that he's in the wrong biological body. I feel like parents can, can balance that. And I'll also say this, if you have a little boy who likes, Barbies or dress whatever, and you forbid it and you tell him he's wrong, like they told me, um, 
It's the same as telling a little child you can never have an apple. What that child's favorite fruit is going to be for the rest of their life. <laughs> Apples, right? Yeah. Every time they buy an apple, every time they take a bite of an apple, every time they make apple cider, they're going to be rebelling against that oppression. And that's a huge reason I became a drag queen is because I needed to live out that childhood sea of hair and makeup and sparkles and colors and dolls. And I have the most ridiculous Barbie collection on earth. It's disgusting. <laughs> but I wouldn't have been so into it if I had been allowed to express that side of myself. And um, also everything masculine when I was little was presented to me in an aggressive way. I was forced to play football, boxing, karate, baseball. I hated every minute of it because it was presented to me as you got to learn to be a learn to be a man. And I have a, a close family member as a little boy, the same little boy who loved Rapunzel and the shoes. And he's talked to me extensively and he said, what do I do about this? And I said, you let him play with the doll. You let him dress up for fun and you present alternative activities, like hunting or sports or whatever in a loving way and you help that child bond with you while you play catch. When I was forced to play catch, they would throw the ball super hard and it would sting in my mitt and I'd cry and I'd get in trouble. And when we went horseback riding, my dad would like whip the horse to make me, you know, be a man. And so in our family, people often call me and they're like, how do I balance this? I'm like, make horseback riding a wonderful father-son moment, make sports, fine. And your child will iron out who they are and what they are. No shame on either sides. So it is a delicate balance, but I just, it just terrifies me that now if a little boy is very effeminate or girly, the trend is to tell him that he's non-binary or he's a girl. No, you're just a fabulous little boy who loves Barbies. So that's, that's where I draw the line. It's like, biological reality has nothing to do with clothing, has nothing to do with hair. And on the left, they constantly talk about the binary being bad. But at the same time, they're telling little boys who like pink or little girls who like sports that you're the opposite gender. And to me, that's true sexism to tell a girl, you're not a fabulous, strong girl. You're actually a boy. To me, that's so sexist. Yeah. It's like I, what I what happened to him? Tomboy growing what, up. So <laughs> Yeah, what I, happened to an empowered girl? They're saying Joan of Arc was non-binary. That means that in order for her to be strong, she had to identify with the male gender. Uh, excuse me. No, she was just a strong woman. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a complex issue, but I hope yeah. I explained. I talk to parents all the time with gay teens and their kids and they call me and I'm like just let them express themselves no shame just please please don't let them believe the that decision be made when they're an adult yeah that's um and I think for the most part most of the critique I've heard of the 
the trans stuff is uh, toward the children more. It's like once you're 18, you can do what you want. Oh, uh, yeah. More of a libertarian and, that, and that's me. Uh -huh. view. Mm -hmm. You're an adult. Cut up, cut off your hot dog, cut off your melons. Well, actually, I watched a Michael Knowles clip. And he basically said that people that want to do that are mentally insane and then should be removed from society. I'm, so there's some crazy stuff going on on the right, too, that I... No, that's I guess, not fair. That's I will, my, I, that's, but go ahead. I will acknowledge that I believe it is a mental illness. If you are unable to accept your biological body, hmm. things with lifelong consequences, such as infertility and emotional instability. Um, but I, I view it the same way I view a boob job. Listen, you're an adult. This is America. Do what you want. Um, just don't ask me to pay for it because trans procedures are elective procedures. They are not medically necessary for survival. So if we pay for someone's trans procedure, a man getting breasts, then we also have to pay for women who want to look like Pamela Anderson mm -hmm. because they identify as a big breasted woman. But <laughs> But yeah, adults, just just adults, live your life. You know, Joan Rivers with all her plastic surgery, you know, people who are vegan, people who are into BDSM, people who are are uh, into like extreme dangerous sports, like go for it, go for it. Just yeah. please, please, please let ABCs, let them be protected. Let them make all medical decisions, including circumcision, once they're old enough to actually do that. Right. That That's interesting. Um, okay. I think I've taken enough of your time. So if... Uh, I, I love talking to you. This is so good <laughs> for me. And it's so refreshing because we're not... I can tell we're not completely on the same page. But you are being a true journalist. You're calling out the right. You're calling left. You're having in-depth, difficult conversations instead of just trying to bait me to say what your viewers want to hear. Does that make sense? Well, and I, I don't even know who my viewers are. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't fit well into any category. And so Do I, honey, welcome. I we are the, we, I know, honey, we're the, we're the unicorns. We are on the Island of misfit toys. Trust me. I don't belong anywhere. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. And so, and so it's, and, I think it's I amazing like idea, that you're... I do like the idea that I can belong anywhere. Like, I, I do feel like yeah. if I act um, act with genuine curiosity, I think, I, f I feel like I've been able to get along with all kinds of different people. And people are, are nice. If you can get past their ideology, there's a tr there is a person there, and they're usually pretty interesting, I, I've found. Um, well, uh, an old friend so. of mine once told me when I worked in the airline industry... She said, Ryan, every single one of us is living in quiet desperation. Hmm. And if you're honest, I mean, I even my devout Mormon friends and they're dealing with marital struggles. They're dealing with porn addictions. They're dealing with substance abuse. And everybody on the left, as much as they present themselves as the perfect Democrat, LGBT, at the end of the day, they're struggling with self-esteem. They're struggling with illness. They're struggling with ones like my mom died. So I, I love I love that at the end of the day, we really are all struggling. And conversations like we just had are so much more helpful 
than this versus this fighting versus fighting. And, right. um, and I think hopefully, you know, there, there is another podcast. It's called Latter Gay Saints in Utah. And he mm -hmm. interviews ex-Mormon gay people. And he interviewed me when I was still on the left, but he refuses to interview me now. So um, it, I just like, we could have a conversation. You don't have to agree with me, but I know that a lot of ex-Mormon gays still hold on to their conservative upbringing. They're proud that they're an Eagle Scout. And to me, the Mormon church made me who I am. I am not promiscuous. I, I don't sleep around. I try to avoid foul language. I try to avoid, you know, things that are that are harmful. And I wouldn't have learned that if I hadn't been raised Mormon. So to me, it's just a question of gratitude, graduate, move on, and respect. You know, my, my sister who I'm closest to is like a hardcore, devout Mormon. And I just say, I'm so glad that your faith brings you hope. I'm so glad that it brings you peace, glad that it gives you stability and a tradition. And who am I to judge? Because I don't really have anything that right. gives me that, you know? So it's like, I just, you I don't feel, feel like, like you have a spiritual home. No. Or how do you, I how don't. do you develop? how do you develop spiritually in your life? Like, do you feel like you're still making progress to becoming a better person or how do you yeah, gain wisdom in yeah. your life? Where do, where do you glean your wisdom from? And do you have any practices that help you do that? Like, I, Gosh, you know, like, you know, you know, for me, I, I feel religiously homeless. Hmm. I feel religiously lost. I would just love to go back to like the Mormon missionary days where I had the answers, but I can't because that would be inauthentic and it would be dishonest. So for me, I try to, you know, I am still Christian. I got Jesus on the wall, but my primary spiritual focus and it, As, as cheesy as it might sound, it's just conversations with my mom. Mm. I talk to my mom who died and I look for signs and I talk to her. And when I pray, I pray to God, I pray to Jesus and I pray to my mom that she'll be my guardian angel. And I have no proof that she's still there. It's all feelings and beliefs and I'm very skeptical and factual, you know, when it comes to that, like, oh, it's just me looking for a sign. But I'd like to hope and I would love to believe that my mom, it, her angel wings are around me. But I don't have any concrete proof of that. So I guess it, it's faith. But yeah, I'm the first to admit, you know, concrete, earthly, factual realities, political realities to me are very easy to stand up for. But when it comes to the afterlife, when it comes to religion, I just don't have the answers. And I look at people who are super religious and part of me says, you're so naive. You are just believing in, you know, fantasy. But the other part of me says, who am I to judge? 
Yeah. Because you get up in the morning and you have that faithful journey and I'm envious. I'm actually envious of people with a, a, a deeply held religious conviction because I just can't do it as much as I love to. I just. Yeah. I have a similar, I have similar feelings, I guess. My, as I've kind of thought about it though, I think about what was that religion doing for me and the the foundation belief I had was that the goal was to return to live with Heavenly Father. And the way to do yeah. that was through becoming like Christ, becoming. So it's like an action thing. You're supposed to be yeah. practicing becoming a better person. And that intuition that I have of like, you know, I should be doing this a little bit better. Or I should be doing this a little bit better. Or I should maybe not stay in the echo chamber like that. Or, you know, I, I don't feel like that has changed for me. Like, I feel like that mode of like trying to become someone better than I was yesterday. I hasn't, hasn't gone away. And I feel like anybody that has a religious home that helps them do that. I feel like that's what religion's doing. Um, and I, I could be wrong. Maybe all of the anti-religious people are right. And it's just a way for people to dominate power over all of the minions. I, I, I know. So, I my, just don't my think Mormon that's what it sister. is. My Mormon sister, who I'm closest to, she always tells me, Ryan, the Mormons don't have jurisdiction over all the truth. And she's right. Right. There's, I, I kind of feel like each religion is a, a beautiful salad bar. Melon sculptures and, you know, like shrimp cocktail. Um, but I, I wholeheartedly disagree with the idea that there is one true religion on earth. And so, yeah, you and I both, we're trying to be the best people we can be. I view my mission as to save children like I was, to open doors on the conservative side and the leftist side. Um, but you and I are, we're, we're honest enough to be a little agnostic and say we don't yeah. have all the answers, except I do believe love one another, give people the benefit of the doubt by yeah, their fruits, you shall one. know them, kindness holiday and it's a beautiful message you know yeah. give gifts and reach out so yeah you and me both honey being ex-mormon is complicated so um with that i think let's should you want me to show that i'm going to show that video just real quick um uh, which one so i'm going to do the youtube video the happy okay. day yeah this is i'll give a little preface okay um people who say that i'm hated by the right and that I'm an internalized homophobe and I'm so stupid to align with Trump supporters. I made this song um, that is just a reflection of my experience within this movement. And it's very cheesy and it's very over the top, but I'm <laughs> cheesy and over the top, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see if we'll, I think they can play like this. More bad news. When you're surrounded by fellow American patriots, it's a dream come true. Look to your left, look to your right. Everywhere you look, our dreams coming true. Patriots are standing for what's right. You're never alone. It's me and it's you, baby. Day is a magical day. It's a magical day. So, 
happy today. Our heroes have shown us the way. We're making America great. Like Washington and Jefferson and Honest Abe. Friends and family and smiles everywhere. Hey guys. So come along and join the adventure. If you dare. We're going to be happy today. Here in the United States Are you happy? Look to your left Look to your right Everywhere you look Our dreams coming true Never forget You don't stand alone The stars and the stripes Are waiting for you Today is a magical day It's a magical day It's not a magical Today is a day we can all make America great again. Let's go, let's dance and sing. Everybody join the fun and let your freedom ring. We're gonna be happy today. Our heroes have shown us the way. We're making America great, like Washington and Jefferson and Honest Abe. There's friends and family and smiles everywhere, so come along and join the adventure if you dare. We're gonna be happy today, here in the United States. Look to your life. Look to your right Everywhere you look Our dreams coming true We love our constitutional rights We love our police And we back the blue Today is a magical day It's a magical day Today is a day we can all make America great Again Let's go Dance and sing. Everybody join the fun and let your freedom ring. We're gonna be happy today. Our heroes have shown us the way. We're making America great. Like Washington and Jefferson and Honest There's friends and family and smiles everywhere. So come along and join the adventure if you dare. We're gonna be happy today here in the United States. Here in the Very cute. Oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> funny, like people view me as so hardcore, but at my core, that's what I want the world to look like. I want people to express themselves. I want people of all backgrounds, like in that video, together. I want us to unite under the American flag and as harsh as I come across and as snarky as I come across, it's hard not to, but that song is from my heart. And that stupid video, as silly as it is, that really is, that's how I want the world to be. I want all of us to just sparkle, <laughs> come together. Can we all just get along? Right, baby. 
pretty straight, be evangelical, be black, be white, just embrace the magic of life because life is so hard for all. So you got to find the magic and be silly. And that's what drag is to me. My alter ego of Lady Maga exists because it's an extension of what I want the world to be. And Lady Maga is an optimist. Lady Maga is sparkly. Lady Maga is a single person she meets. And so it's a way of me of stepping outside of my discouraged, you know, pessimistic self. And it's an, and uh, some people get it. A lot of people get it. And, and uh, a lot of people, don't. but I kind of don't care. I've learned to not care what people think. As hard as it is, I'm getting better at it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's like a personality flaw I have, though. I have something similar where I'm like, I want people I want people to understand what I'm saying and hopefully they agree with what I'm saying. But at the same time, if they don't agree, like I'm not afraid to say what I uh, that's not totally true. Like I am afraid to say it, but I'm unwilling to lie about it, if that makes sense. Like right. I might stay it's quiet. Not, honey, that's not a flaw. That's not yeah. a flaw. Don't stay quiet. Speak your mind. <laughs> Be a strong woman. Be a strong American. Well, express, it's mostly my confidence yourself. level. The, the stuff I'm confident yeah. about, I'm willing to be loud about, but I just am not confident about a lot. I never have a, I never have been. Like even, Neither am I. Even when I was a member in the church, like I, I never had like a super strong testimony. You know, I, I remember Elder Bednar gave this talk about how you gain a testimony and some people have like the sun coming up where it's really, really gradual kind of testimony and some people have a light switch moment. And I always thought you had to have a light switch moment and I never did. And I'm like, Oh, I can have, I can have the sun coming up kind of testimony. That's great. And so I felt like I was right. okay. Like I felt like I had a strong testimony, but I just, I never had any solid moment where I can point to and say, that's when I knew the church was true. Like I just never had that kind of Neither can confidence. I, neither can I, <laughs> I know by their fruits, you shall know them. I have a very rational, concrete, logistical, support and testimony of the church i don't have a, a spiritual confirmation right. it would have been nice i mean <laughs> i could just be i, I could have erased my homosexuality and just married a cute utah mom and had five kids but i think god is so much bigger than we realize and yeah. my mission as tumultuous and difficult as it is this is my calling. Sorry, not sorry. And I don't believe that I'm going to go to heaven and end up in a or be rejected by God because I I'm doing the best I can. And I don't want to hurt people like that video. I know it's so stupid, but that's, <laughs> that's a reflection of my heart. I know it's so cheesy, but I just, <laughs> I just want people to sparkle and be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been fun. I, I, it was more, it was more about political divides than like the Mormon ex Mormon Mormon divide, but. Oh, I'll fine. come back like, on I anytime. Think, I feel I like think, I read your questions in that document and we only got to like what five. So I, know. I would love to come back on. And next time we really can focus the, the religion, the dogma, the history. Um, well, and it wasn't I, even, I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, it wasn't. I, I feel like I feel like it went fine. I never get to everything and I that I outlined, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's my but honor to talk to you. I hope to meet you in person, just hang out yeah. as people because you're so cute and so pretty. <laughs> oh, you're kind. So I think um, 
uh, what, where can people find you, I guess, if you want? like. Oh, thank to- you for asking. They can just go to LadyMagaUSA.com. Or they can just search Lady Maga USA on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, my Instagram is LMUSA1776 because I've been kicked off three times. Oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, just just uh, look up uh, Google Lady Maga USA. Someone created a Wikipedia, and that's the first thing that shows up. I'm like, who did that? It's mostly accurate. So I'm glad about that. <laughs> I did. I did see that you had a Wikipedia page. That's crazy. Yeah. What the heck? Who did that? It well, wasn't the one me. Thing, okay. One more thing. The, there yeah. was one thing in there. You got like assaulted. You you were at the rally, uh, the the election thing, and you got oh, assaulted. Oh no 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 no! That was uh, way before. I wasn't assaulted, but you know who Nick Fuentes is? That little crappy, horrible guy. I don't. There with is that is a political guy. Yeah, should I know? <laughs> he was there with his his jerks, and this is the one and only time at a conservative rally. They got on their microphones and they just started chanting "shame, shame, shame," oh, and I jerks. was like, uh, "So I just waved. I looked pretty, <laughs> blew a kiss, and fortunately, as they were doing that, a bunch of people surrounded me and like got angry. But yeah, I was. But they didn't assault me. They were just chanting shame. So. Um, oh, okay. There, there is a very small, very vocal minority in the movement who would. Um, they're just they they're too dogmatic. It's this, it's this, it's heaven, it's hell. They know, they know and what if, it is. And if they could legislate their religious beliefs into law, they would. They would. Yep. I'm and I'm equally afraid of that. Right? Oh, of course, me too, honey. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah. No, there's religious freedom. And there's secular freedom. And there's a reason we have a divide between church and state and a lot of conservatives. If they could outlaw me being gay, not a lot of conservatives, some, um, that that militant fraction, if they could outlaw me being gay or outlaw me be doing drag, they would do it. But I would never outlaw them saying what they want in their church. So, you know, that's why unicorn. No. Nope. <laughs> That's individualism for you. Well, well, I'll let you go. Thanks so much for coming on. I thought this was this was it's fun getting getting to know you a little bit more. Oh, it was. I not- I'm so honored and grateful. And I'm sorry I talk too much. I'm a rambler. <laughs> You're fine. But um, yeah, if I would love to put the audio from this uh, uh, podcast and just give you credit, say that you know this is me as a guest on this podcast. Because I feel like um, it's funny. I actually get hate because I mentioned that I grew up Mormon and I love the Mormons. And uh, the Bible Belt thinks that Mormons are just as bad as the LGBTQ. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Right. So I'd love to get this out there because it is it is a fascinating conversation. But if I don't talk to you, you have a Christmas and oh, you just here, keep me up your, gr- the recording your here. good work.